Today, uh, we just sort of titled today Q&A Sunday. Now, what I mean by that is, is that we, we knew that we would be spending April, May, and June in the book of Ecclesiastes, and after trying to outline Ecclesiastes two or three times, it, it, <clears throat> I finally came up with the outline that we, uh, that we used, and uh, really it could have been done in three Sundays, right? Life under the sun. Uh, life not under the sun, fear God, obey his commands. That's, that's Ecclesiastes, start to finish. Uh, but uh, we did have an extra Sunday, and so uh, I said we'd do a, a Q&A Sunday, and I asked you to turn in some questions if you wanted to ask questions of, of me or, or anybody. And, and so we've got a, a, we've got a uh, what you call it, a script. It's actually not a script. It's just a list of questions. And uh, we sat around Friday and had fun with it and said, all right, uh, we just want to enjoy this, y'all. Just, just to enjoy the fact that we get to spend time together. And, and today in the Q&A kind of thing, no, there's not a, a text and a passage, but there's a lot of Bible in what we're going to be talking about. And, and the other thing is, is that this actually highlights the second, uh, what I call the second priority of the gathering, which is the relationship. Okay. And it's a time for us to get acquainted and, to, and, and just to know that, guess what? These guys up here, uh, I can't do anything without them, to be honest. And so uh, uh, Kyle has something to do. Now there's a, he's going to lead the band in the next worship, so he's got to get out of here. So Kyle's question came in quite extensively, right? It, it's a, it was directed at Kyle because he kind of has coordinated and started up what we call Coastline, which is our young adults ministry. And it was, this is his question. The kids in college have to support abortion, gay rights, even celebrate it, and transgenderism in order to get passing grades on papers or get into graduate school, maybe even service of some kind. They know, they know wrong and do not believe or support. Is this denying God? Now, this person gave their response, uh, but the final question was, what else can I say or point them to? So I'll say in, in short, I mean, there is a short answer. <laughs> uh, and I would say, I mean, it, the answer would, that I would give would absolutely be yes. Uh, it's denying God's design for for life. I mean, we have the Bible, and it. I mean, it's pretty straightforward and to the point about it. Honestly, I mean, going all the way back from uh, Genesis, but then we even have it. Paul writing about it in Romans too. Uh, you know, Romans one eighteen through twenty five talks about how they deny God and and His design for things, and so He turns them over. Um, you know, and the I was actually going to read it. Have we got time for me to read it? Yeah. It's yeah. Got, got we run quick. out of time. We just run out of time. It's okay. <laughs> I know. We had a lot it's of like questions. like preaching so every wanna... Sunday. <laughs> All right. Let me pull it up real quick. Which one? Romans? Romans 1. Yeah. Um, I'm preaching on that in two weeks, by the way. I know. All right. Uh, I was going to read 18 through 25, but I won't read all of it. <laughs> but uh, the main ones were 19, since what can be known about God is evident among them because God has shown it to them. I mean, so he's made it really clear in creation about his design and his order for the world and how we ought to live life. But then in verse 25, they exchange the truth of God for a lie and worship and serve what has been created instead of the creator who is praised forever. So again, the short answer is yes. Um, but... Uh, Whenever we're talking about grades and stuff, I'm not saying to at all 
deny that and deny uh, what you believe and what you stand for and what the Bible has said. Uh, but there can be nuance and answers. Uh, we were talking about it uh, in the office, um, looking over this question. You know, you, there is a way to word things in responses, especially in being diligent and being a good student, that you can do both. You can be a good student and stand firmly on God's word by the way you word things. So you can use things like popular opinion, in quotations, you can use um, the uh, CDC or it, choose whatever organization you want to, states it this way, and you can use nuance in your response. Um, but yeah, I, again, short answer would be yes. God has a design and an order for creation and how we ought to go about life. Um, and there's a way that we can still work in these fields uh, like medical and um, academia without denying God. So, All right, that's your answer. That's, that's my answer. All right, good job. All right, <laughs> hey, jump down to the what's your favorite book one. Can you do that? There you go. All right, so Kyle's going to answer this one too before, uh, <clears throat> before he leaves. All right. Well, if I type those up, that, it was a lot bigger on my screen at home. It's down here. I know, but I was I was looking. At you want it. them just, to see it? Oh. Yeah, I wanted y'all to be able to see it. It was a lot bigger last night while I was typing it up. But uh, again, short answer, <laughs> I would have to say now it would definitely be the poetry books, um, specifically right now Proverbs because it's quick, short, practical wisdom. And as a new dad, I need a lot of that because I don't have a lot of time to think about things. You just have to act. <laughs> um, but before now, I would absolutely have said like Romans or Hebrews uh, because I was a theology student and you spend a lot of time in Romans and Hebrews as a theology student. So um, my wife tells me all the time, though, that you can't have more than one favorite because uh, I say everything's my favorite. So I would say for now, my favorite is Proverbs. Okay, I'll answer that question next. All right, now you can go. Get out of here. Oh, okay. All right. Um, favorite book of the Bible and why? Um, mine's just whichever one I'm studying at the time, to be honest. I mean, I can't pick a favorite, and so I don't have many favorites. It's just whichever. Right now, I am, I am mapping Romans for us because we're going to do a survey of Romans over the next three months and uh, trying to map that outline out and, and hit all the, all the good stuff. And so, so right now, that's my favorite. The book of Romans, man, I'm having a blast studying Romans and, uh, and, and writing up outlines for the Sunday morning messages. And so, uh, yeah, it, it, on Wednesday nights, we're working our way through James. You know, if I'm studying James, guess what? At the, at the time, that's my favorite. But right now, I'm spending a lot of time in Romans. So your turn. I didn't need that mic, Mike, did I? Thank you, David. Okay, cool. Uh, Not only uh, what, what's the word Solomon uses, hevel, smoke and vapor. It's, it's not so much that life is pointless or meaningless, but there's nothing here on this earth that you can grab onto and hold onto. And it just reminds you that uh, to just put your faith and trust in God and, and think about things that are going to last and, 
and relationships and memories and people, and it just keeps me uh, grounded in focusing on my relationship with God and people, my wife, my kids, uh, and also we just spend a lot of time going through it. But uh, there's a lot of practical <laughs> things in there, like Kyle said. So I would I would say Ecclesiastes for now. Let me hold that a minute. Kyle, what's your favorite soda? Sundrop. Okay. And what's your favorite southern phrase? I actually wrote down a few. You can't have a favorite, multiple well, favorites. Well. <laughs> go, go. All right. I mean, y'all have probably heard, heard me say this one uh, around here. When people ask me how I'm doing, my answer is typically I'm hanging in there like a hair in a biscuit, but we're hanging in there. Okay. I still don't, don't think about it too much. One. Go ahead. Depends on who's making the biscuits. Right. Uh, all right. Uh, uh, slickered in a mole's butt. Okay, yeah. I... I'll be honest. I ain't never seen nor felt a mole's butt, but I can imagine it all right. might be Keep cranking. We got Keep everybody going. got to answer these. All right. All right, the last one. Um, busier than a one man and one legged man in a butt kicking competition. Okay. Thank you. Yes. That, gi that gives us a little insight. All right, Kyle, now you can go. All right, Jordan, favorite book of the Bible and why? Get out of here. Yeah, you're fired. Um, I would say I always get excited whenever, um, I read James. I think that that book is, uh, I like it because I'm a list guy. Like I do better if I have a list. And, uh, and James is a book that has a great list of attributes that are to be found if you proclaim Christ. And so for me, reading through James, it's challenging in two ways. It challenges me to, um, to, to intentionally try to show those attributes but then also to look at the list and say, okay, well, I'm missing these attributes, so what can I do to show those attributes? Um, and uh, the obvious answer is draw closer to God uh, and pray for those things. But for, again, for me, it's, it's, I like a list because if you don't, I try and tell my wife all the, all the time, you got to tell me exactly what you want because if you don't tell me, I'm going to screw it up every time. So... <laughs> I like we weren't all supposed to answer that question, y'all. That was only Kyle's question. Oh. All right, hand it to Scott and let him answer his him question. All right. <laughs> all right. My, my favorite uh, book of the Bible is Romans. But anyway, all right. so I'm looking forward to Bobby preaching. Then nobody want to know that, dude. Yeah. <clears throat> um, yeah, well, somebody asked me what my favorite hymn is, and I love, you know, the hymns, so it's really difficult. But... Because uh, I can remember, you know, so many times singing. Mom and Dad were in the choir, so I'd sit by my grandmama, and she had this unique voice. Uh, she sang on pitch, but uh, but I can hear her voice today singing several of the hymns as we sing them, like Leaning on the Everlasting Arms. But I would say A Mighty Fortress is Our God. It's too hard to sing in this congregation because it's got uh, organ and all that. But the reason I like A Mighty Fortress is Our God, it was, all, it was written by Martin Luther, the great reformer uh, of the Protestant movement. And 
we might be across the street if it wasn't for uh, Martin Luther over in the Catholic, you know, gathering this morning. But uh, anyway, so Martin Luther, because he took a stand, they told him to recant of all his writings, and his writings were all based on Scripture. And he said, I, I can't. I'd go against my conscience and against God. He said, so here I stand. Immediately he was kidnapped by his Prince George of, uh, of Saxon, Germany, and they took him to a, the, the castle of Wartburg, and he is hidden there for two years, so he wouldn't be killed by the Pope. And while he was there, he did many things. He translated the New Testament into the German language, which united the German tribes and uh, stuff like that. But he wrote a mighty fortress as he looked at the castle, the fortress that he was securing in. And there's a lot of stories about that, but, you know, uh, Mighty Fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing, our helper, he amidst the flood, mortal wheels prevailing, um, our, for still our ancient foe to seek to work us woe, his craft and power great and armed with cruel hate. Um, and it just talks about how we're no match for him. But the next verse talks about Jesus Christ. And he's the one who took on the devil and whooped him for us. Anyway, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful hymn, and I love it because uh, just that time of studying Martin Luther uh, and uh, the history around his life and what he did to bring us to where we are today, how the Lord used him mightily. So Mighty Fortress is our God. Okay, y'all get ready for the hidden treasure one. All right, here you go. Um, <clears throat> first question that we sort of had on our list was... Uh, <clears throat> directed toward me it says i know i have been forgiven for all the terrible sinful horrible things i did before i gave my life to christ and those things are now as far as the east is from the west but i know we all face god when in heaven are we only judged at that time for what we have done since being saved and uh quick i mean look y'all it's 8 41 y'all are answering too long all right <clears throat> quick answer is uh we're gonna get this in romans quite honestly <clears throat> the book of romans talks about our position in sanctification and justification, our salvation, what God accomplished on the cross that he accomplished on the cross for all time. I would simply say with regard to forgiveness, as 1 John 1, 9 pretty much speaks it, uh, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. That's all present tense. If I confess my sin right now, he forgives my sin right now. As a matter of fact, I've often characterized uh, forgiveness as, as, as a book on the shelf. Because God loves us. Forgiveness is a product of his love. And so his forgiveness is always available to those who are in Christ. Us as a part of that relationship. So when we stand before God at judgment, all he's going to see is Jesus. He's going to see the righteousness of the Son clothing us at that point. Right? It's not going to be, all right, since you got saved, here's all your sins, now I forgive you. No. He's going to just see Christ's righteousness on us, in us, okay? That's the answer. All right, start back. Who's got the mic? You got the mic? Do the treasure one there, Jordan. <clears throat> yeah, I enjoy searching Scripture for hidden treasures where you see the fingerprints of God in the text. Tell us one or two hidden treasures that make one. I'll just one do, hidden I'll treasure. I'll just do one. Go. Uh, so mine is Ephesians 2.10. Uh, God has good works predestined for us. Uh, I think that's radical because you get to wake up every day and know that God has already 
predestined good works for us to do. And all we have to do is just pay attention and and ask God, what is it you want me to do? And it's al- it's already it's already there, ready to go. You just got to walk into it. And I think that's cool. Go pass it off. Uh, hidden treasures. There's a ton. Um, anytime you go back to the original language and study, the deeper you dig, the more you find. Um, I would say if you want to know something uh, evidential, factual, uh, you can look up Chuck Missler on YouTube, or uh, there's another YouTube channel called Alpha and Omega. Um, They'll tell you some things uh, you you never heard of that are in the Bible as far as genealogies and and numerology and those sort of things. But um, there's different kinds of hidden treasure. Um, And just from, from a practical standpoint, something that's personal to me, uh, when you do a word study, uh, I remember in Acts, right after Jesus left, and it says, you know, you will receive power and will tell people about me everywhere. And the uh, disciples right after that, you know, I think it was Peter and, and James or Peter and John, they, they go out to the temple and they heal a paralytic man and... Um, they go before the Sanhedrin and are on trial because of it. And uh, it says that they were untrained, uneducated men. And it just reminds me that that same power that the Holy Spirit gave them, He gave to us. And the more you rely less on yourself and on the Holy Spirit, that that power uh, can do things that people can't take away from you. Um, so that's just one off the top of my head. Okay. Pass it down to Scott down there. I'll tell you mine is is that when um <clears throat> in in when when God revealed himself to Moses and Moses said, Who do I tell him sent me? And we get the tetragrammaton, which is just the Y H W H and uh, we translate it I am. That's uh, so where we also get the name of God Yahweh. Uh, it's 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 a verb form of Hayah, which is the Hebrew verb to be. So I am, Yahweh, is the verb form to be. So I've always asked myself, when Moses went back to Pharaoh, and, and Pharaoh said, well, who is this God? Did he say I am, or did he say he is? Because when we get to Hebrews, we see where um, when it talks about us pleasing God, that we believe that he is. You see, he is God. So the whole to be in Scripture and the Yahweh, Hayah, God is. He is God. And that's, that, that was something that really opened my eyes to the whole revelation of God to Moses in the burning bush and the Yahweh as the name of God. So that's, just, that's, that's from years ago. Go, Scott. Well, I was, <clears throat> you know, there's 66 books in the Bible. There's many authors, but they all in the... Combining them all together like we have Old, Old New Testament, uh, there's the bloodline of, uh, of redemption story. You know, when Adam and Eve sinned, God started his plan of redemption that would redeem fallen man. He followed that through the whole book of the Bible. And, uh, and the whole scripture, though, is written by many. Paul, Peter says in 2 Peter one twenty one for prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but uh, 
men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So we know that all Scripture is inspired by God. It's God breathed. God breathed uh, into these men as they wrote, and so it's without error, and it's God's divine revelation and truth, and it's good for us for, to study and to, to uh, learn by so we can live, be fully equipped for every good work, right? And uh, know the will of God. So um, I think really, though, I, in my studies, to know, to see the fingerprints of God, you have to study the language, Hebrew and, and Greek, and you begin to see, uh, you know, uh, the, the wonders uh, that you, the evidence that it is truly a work of God that he did this. And um, so uh, I've done, I've studied the languages and it must have been a dream because I don't remember too many of it about the, the Hebrew, but I enjoyed it while I did it. I took a lot of Hebrew and a lot of Greek. Um, anyway, the main thing is that we, uh, <clears throat> We, we see the fingerprint of God in that right there, the bloodline of redemption. We begin to see the, from Genesis 3.15 where he says when he's judging the serpent and he's, judge, he's pronouncing judgment on the woman and the man, when he talks to that serpent, he gives the first glimpse, that proto-evangelium is what Martin Luther called it, the first glimpse of the gospel, the head of the, the serpent, uh, the, the seed of the woman will crush the head of the serpent. The serpent will bruise the, the head of the, or the heel of the seed of woman, which was a picture of the cross. Jesus would crush the head of the serpent. And, um, and we know in his resurrection, that's exactly what he did. So just know, you know, those promises, glimpses of redemption until the full day, which is like the sun coming up, and then there's the full day where if the revelation is there. Jesus comes in all of his glory. There will be never be another revelation. Jesus is the final, the full revelation that the Word of God points to and, I mean, and shows us. Amen? Thank you. All right, hand it to Joy. Now, Scott, what's your favorite soda? My favorite soda is... Uh, One I'm word. Like, what's I'm, your favorite soda? Uh, I thought you said Miller. No. No. I, What's your favorite soda? I said, I love cherry bubblies. I right. love cherry bubblies. What's your southern phrase? My southern phrase is, uh, I'm finer than frog, frog's hair split three ways. All right. Hand it to Jordan. What's your favorite soda, Jordan? Uh, cherry Coke. And what's your favorite southern phrase? Well, uh, my favorite clean. one. Yes, it's it's clean. Don't worry, Kyle. Kyle already pushed the envelope, so I'm not going to do it anymore. So I hadn't heard this till recently, and Nick said it, and Nick's super southern. So um, <laughs> Nick Nick was talking about the first time he ever preached. He said, "Man, I was so nervous I could have outshook a rattlesnake." <laughs> Nick, what's your favorite soda? Uh, cheer wine. And your favorite southern phrase? Uh, I have southern words. There's thousands of southern phrases. Uh, just off the top of my head, Jordan just reminded me, uh, when I get nervous, I normally say something dumb. Um, and when I look out here, uh, mayonnaise is a uh, southern word I say when I get nervous, as in uh, <clears throat> mayonnaise a lot of people out there. <laughs> All right. 
All right. Uh, we're not going to get through all these questions because Scott's preaching. So uh, let's... Uh... <laughs> you! All right. Uh, Nick, quickly, what's your favorite lesser-known person in the Old Testament and why? Um, again, just short-term memory. Uh, somebody, two guys I read about recently. Who knows who Bezalel and Ohalahab is? A holy ad. A holy ad. Uh, those two guys were when Moses was getting instructions on how to set up the tabernacle and instruments and, and all that stuff. They were the two craftsmen. And God appointed them and made them, gave them all the gifts they needed. And it just reminds me that, you know, a lot of times you want to be the guy or the woman in that that maybe gets the notoriety to claim or to fame and that uh, I love working with my hands um, and that God gives all of us unique and special abilities and sometimes we might just be the person making the thing or sometimes you might, whatever your thing is, uh, it's kind of like a shiny thing that attracts people to where you can point them to God. And so whatever your shiny thing is, um, God will use it if you let him, and it'll be a whole lot more fun doing it while you're doing it. And uh, when I think about those two guys, it just reminds me, you don't have to be necessarily Moses or Aaron or, or the priest, or you could just be the guy that makes the forks and the spoons and the, and the plates and stuff, and, and God will use it, and God will appoint you to it. Okay. Hand it to Jordan a minute. Jordan, short version of how you were inspired to pursue missions in Panama. Um. Well, currently going to Panama, uh, I enjoy going to Panama because I live there. I lived there for seven years, and so it's almost like I'm not trying to compare myself with Paul at all, but Paul talks about going back to all the places that he, that he ministered. And so for me, that's why I like going back there now, because I've invested a lot of time in that area. As far as moving there, I don't have any other explanation other than God sent me there. I, I I don't know. I didn't even really know. I knew Panama existed, but God just, God led me there. There's there's no other way to explain it. All right. No no special wording in that. Nope. I was blind, but now I see. Okay. That's it. Gotcha. All righty. Uh, y'all flip over. There's a question here about what um, occurred to you individually to have you decide to serve God in the capacity of a pastor. We're not going to get to that one because that's like 30-minute answer for each of us, all right? So that's we're not going to do that. So I'm going to try to summarize a couple of things. One specific question that was asked of me, what is your most memorable baptism? Um, since we started baptizing in the ocean, we had a guy, and I can't remember his full, Jay something, Jay Anyways, we knew him as Rooster, and Rooster was about 82 years old, and he was like a foot and a half taller than me, and I, that back then I was baptizing by myself, and so I took him out in the ocean, and, and a wave was coming, which is what I do. I get him in a wave and get him under the wave so that God's the one that baptizes him. I just get him low enough for the wave to do the work, right? Well, I took Rooster down into that wave, and he was a little feeble at 80-something years old, and I dropped him. <laughs> And so Rooster was laying on his back under the water, and I'm trying to pick him up. <coughs> and people are running from the shore to try to help me get this 80-year-old man off the floor of the ocean. Anyway, that was the most memorable. They never found him. Yeah. 
All righty. Um, yeah, we got five minutes left for our uh, for the time for just answering questions, and so I'm gonna pick one and just uh, ask ask Nick what what is the the one item other than the Bible that you would use to prepare to preach? Uh, well, earlier you said we couldn't use the internet. So, That's right. I said they, they're not looking for the internet as an answer. Uh, it would be a Strong's concordance or interlin- interlinear concordance, which uh, Blue Letter Bible, if you've never heard of it, look it up. Uh, like Scott said, getting back to the original language, uh, it really helps you find some of that treasure. All righty. Um, how about uh, anybody want to answer the one of how much you pray each week? And are there things that make it more difficult to pray? Who wants to answer? Answer, go. Um, I think if we're all honest, uh, some days we pray more than other days. Um, you know, some days it's, it's uh, you know, we find ourselves at the end of the day and we're like, dang, I didn't really like. But, you know, Paul talks about praying without ceasing. And so for me, that doesn't necessarily mean that we stay in a closet all day and pray. And so I try to keep that in my mind. And for me, you know, I can't really count it, but I try to pray all day and, and just share with God as I'm going through each moment. Just, you know, Bob, I like Bobby's, uh, he, I don't know if it's original or not, but uh, care is a prayer. And so caring for people and, and, and bringing our cares to God, like that for me, that's praying. And, you know, so I guess it depends on your definition of what prayer is. But for me, uh, just a communication with God and sharing my heart with God is praying. And uh, so I, I try to do good. it. Good answer. And I think it is. It's an ongoing conversation. Uh, I do think, though, that I was very convicted by the story of John and Charles Wesley who got up at 4 o'clock in the morning to pray. So quite honestly, these days, and maybe it's a product of age, I don't know. I'm up at 4 o'clock, and I'm praying at 4 o'clock and writing devotionals and reading and studying. And, and then, again, throughout the day, just every, whatever I'm doing. If, if I'm not talking to you, I'm talking to God. And so um, I will share just briefly because this one is, is, is sort of a question for the gathering. And um, in, in September, well, in June of 2009, I got a phone call from a chairman of a search committee and her name was Mary Ann Lane. And she called and she said, our church is looking at your resume. And I said, okay. I said, well, let me just go ahead and warn you that uh, I, I'm not really free to leave where I'm at yet. I said, God hadn't released me. The question was, history of how a dying Surf City Baptist Church became the thriving The Gathering. Uh, The conversation through the next two months or so became, uh, we need a rebirth. I said, well, all right, we can do it. It won't look like you think it's going to look, and it's harder than you think it is. That was the two things I said to the committee at that time. And then it just simply, one of the things I love to pray now is, God, help us to stay so close to you that we don't miss what you're doing. See, there was no plan to make the gathering what the gathering is. I wish I could claim I was that smart, but I'm not. But many churches get so distracted by doing everything that they end up doing nothing. And so the thing that we highlighted first thing is, is we're going to do worship and we're going to do worship well because worship is our expression of loving God. And so we had the two phrases, loving God and living Jesus. We're going to love God as 
often as we can create opportunity to love God. And that's why we're going to do four worship gatherings every Sunday morning. Because when people come in here, we want to focus on loving God in worship. The second phrase is living Jesus. That's going out and being Jesus in a community that needs Jesus. And so we're going to go out and love people in the community. We're not going to compromise our values. Going back to the the question Kyle had to answer about college and stuff. We're going to go represent Christ in the community around us. And we're going to love folks. And we're going to tell them who Jesus is. And we're going to tell them how he wants to change their lives. And how he wants to give them hope. And, and, And then the other side of it is, is creating. And I went and talked with a guy who was planting a church in the Outer Banks. He had, he had started planning a church in the Outer Banks uh, just before I came here. Now, the surprise I found out years later is that it's an Anglican church. <laughs> and so I went and sat down with him, and he said, you know, he said, you got to look at the worship center as God's living room. You know, you want people to come in and to be made, you know, welcome, loved, to let people know that when they walk in this room, We love you. We're glad you're here. We're excited that you chose to make worship a priority. And so maybe this is the first time you've ever been in a gathering. Welcome. This is not what usually happens. This is the last of of the quarter, and and we finished Ecclesiastes last week. Let me go ahead and reemphasize, fear God, keep his commandments. But this was just question and answer, and and, and, and taking the questions and trying to compile them. I'll be honest, y'all were the... Y'all were the more faithful group. Y'all got a page and a half. The other three gatherings only got a three-quarters of a page and not that on some occasions. But the point is, is that, you know what, when we come together as the body of Christ, in the last three years, we've added the third phrase of our priority, which is walking together. Loving God is our first priority. The relationship God's given us as the body, that's our second priority. And so, uh, love you guys. If you're first time here, we love you too. Just act like you've been here before. It'll be all right. We won't know the difference because we're going to flip this over in just a minute and we're going to do the 925 worship gathering. We're going to sit up here like this and, and all that sort of thing. But I'm going to close us in prayer. We'll do this again some. Uh, wait, let me ask. By, by your, let's say, uh, woo, I mean, have you enjoyed this little Q&A time? I'm about to say, if I only get one woo, we ain't never doing it again. (laughs) So if you enjoyed it, we'll do it again. If you didn't enjoy it, give me a phone call. That'll be fine. Um, Truth of it all is, is that God placed us here in this community for kingdom impact. This is not about the gathering. This is not about Bobby. This is not about Scott or Jordan or Nick or Kyle. Uh, This is about God and his kingdom. And we leave this place telling others about God and his kingdom. The things that the gathering has become is because God made us aware of an opportunity, a calling. God said, all right, this is... And so we limited our priorities at the time. But guess what? In the last 14 years, we've added a bunch of it back, okay? Because we got men's women, men's ministries and women's ministries and welcome ministries and, 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 and missions ministries. We got all kind of stuff going on. But that's because we focused our attention early on on doing one thing and doing it well. And God blessed it. And so here we are today. Okay. Scott, what you got planned for the invitation? Love the TV. All right. I'm going to pray. Get the band back up here. Here we go.
God, thank you for today and all that you've done and accomplished. And God, my prayer is, is that, God, you've gotten glory this morning because I know among the guys sitting up here on this platform and within the, the body of the gathering, our desire is to exalt you. Our desire is to bring you glory. And so this morning, God, I just want us all to be so surrendered, so submitted God, that as we follow closely after you, that we just don't miss what you're doing. And God, in this room, I hope people uh, have understood that following you is not just a one thing. It's a lifetime thing. And there may be somebody here this morning that, that, that has never received that salvation found in Jesus. To know that we belong to you as, as a part of the body of Christ, as a part of, of the salvation that you've given us because Christ died on the cross for us. And so we're going to sing a response song. It's kind of tough to respond to a bunch of questions being answered. But God, if you've spoken to somebody this week or even this morning and said, you need to step out, you need to step forward, you need to take a stand for me, then God, we're going to give that opportunity during this prayer time and I, during this song and this prayer time. And I pray, God, that people respond to you. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.